0: You're listening to Look At My Records, this is episode 173, and I'm your host, Tom Gallo. For this edition of Look At My Records, I chatted with Ginny Junji of the Swiss garage psych outfit Annie Taylor. In the fall of last year, the band released their debut full-length Sweet Mortality on Taxi Gauche Records And they recently followed it up with an excellent double single, which features a brand new song called Unspoken. They're one of my favorite recent discoveries, and if you're a fan of West Coast staples like Bleached LA Witch and Death Valley Girls, then you'll love this band's washed out sound. During our interview, Ginny and I chatted about the recording process behind Sweet Mortality and how recording in a legit studio allowed the band more flexibility to improve certain aspects of their sound. How she revisited one of the earliest songs she had ever written and molded it into the band's most recent single, Unspoken. The inspiration behind My personal favorite song of theirs a thousand times, what they're most looking forward to in 2021, and much more. We'll dive into our interview right after the jump. If you're interested in hearing more episodes of Look at My Records, they're available on all streaming platforms. Please remember to rate, review, like, and subscribe on your platform of choice. I also encourage you to check out the Look at My Records website where you can find reviews, premieres of new music, playlists, and a whole lot more. Check it out at lookatmyrecords.com. All right, here for another episode of Look At My Records, really excited to have Ginny of Switzerland's Annie Taylor on the podcast today. Really great band that put out their debut full-length Sweet Mortality last fall. People around here, you may be familiar with the label because they put out the uh, debut full length by a great Brooklyn band uh, last year called The Mary Vision. And your debut, Sweet Mortality, came out last fall, and you just released a great double single, The Fool and Unspoken. Everyone, you can check that out via annietaylor.bandcamp.com or the Taxi Gash website. But Ginny, how are you today? It's so great to speak with you.
1: Yeah, same. I'm doing good. Thank you. I'm a bit uh, waiting for, for better times to finally go playing again, but we're doing actually pretty good. We have a lot of time to rehearse at least.
0: Yeah. And I'm sure spending time writing new music and things as well. But tell me about the last year, because in talking to artists, bands, it seems like There's a bit of an adjustment period in the beginning, having to cancel tours, live dates was frustrating and discouraging at first, but then it seems after a little bit of time, kind of settling into the circumstances of the new reality. How did you process that originally? And have you been spending your time this last year?
1: Well, first, we were actually really bummed out because we planned to play in the States and everything got canceled. And it's actually almost impossible at the moment to reschedule all the dates. So we're still hovering around this kind of States tour, but let's see what happens. Um, but after a while, we, just, we also had to, um, to postpone our album release from spring to, to um, autumn. And that was also a bummer, but yeah, in the end, we had more time to rehearse, and that was also cool to just like hang around with each other without playing shows, without rehearsing, just as friends like to come together. And uh, we also started working on new songs, but you know, sometimes it's just a bit frustrating because you're like you're like rehearsing and and you're doing stuff for the band, but you never really get to to the dessert like playing shows, So I I really hope that's, that's, uh, yeah, coming soon again.
0: Yeah. And and that's cool. It sounds like you're able to settle in and start writing and being productive again. So that's, that's great for sure. What was it like putting out a record in the middle of a global pandemic? I know you said you delayed it probably about six months to put it out. What was that like? Not being able to go out and play it live, it seems like a very different experience. And for the band, this was your first full length, but you put out EPs before that, so it's kind of a comparable experience.
1: Yeah, it was really weird because first time when we when we canceled the the release, we thought, man, we really have to change it like so everybody could come to the shows, we can celebrate with our friends. And then after a few months, we realized, okay, this might not happen at all. So we would release the album, but nothing is going to happen. But then we got really, really lucky. And we had like, I think one or two months where it was possible again to play shows. So we used the time and just uh just released the the record and we were able to actually celebrate it with friends and and fans and play two shows which was really amazing
0: oh wow so what were those shows like i'm sure the audience was really excited to be able to enjoy live music after not having any gigs happen for almost a year
1: yeah it was very intense like i think I'm not even sure if it was really okay to do it because there were so many people coming out. and Nobody was really like forced to wear a mask because this rule didn't exist at that moment. So yeah, we had like two full out, full sold out shows and it was very energetic. And I think people really were looking out to, to have this kind of times back.
0: Wow, that's super exciting. And that's in your, were they in your home city of Zurich? Yeah, exactly cool that's super exciting so tell me a little bit about how annie taylor started i know it originally started with you and another member and then kind of expanded from there tell me a little bit about the origins of this project
1: well i used to live in this really old house where nobody cared if you were loud or doing parties or whatever so we started to make music in our living room and it happened that we had a drum set in our living room. <laughs> so it was kind of really annoying all the neighbors. And then we thought, man, we have to expand to a to a rehearsal room. That's also when we started to get a bass player in. So Mickey joined and uh, another guitarist. And afterwards, we just started jamming a bit until we found Jan and uh, Toby, who are also part of the band. And from there, it was just like really nice because we are all we all knew each other since like 10 years or even longer we met when we were snowboarding in the ski resort <laughs> nice, yeah we nice. all hung out together back then but all like in a other setting and now we we found each other again through music which is super cool because we also like each other in uh, in a non-musical
0: way <laughs> so you didn't uh, connect originally on a musical level or was there something that you thought, hey, we do kind of like the same music or have the same interests back then when you first met, or did it take a little while for that to develop?
1: Well, I think we all had similar interests and also like the same kind of friend group, and also like Toby was already playing, uh, that's the guitarist, he was already playing in a band, and he really inspired me as well to start a band, because I always thought man, this guy's so cool, with his boots and the guitar, (laughs) So it kind of influenced me to start that too, but I didn't really know musically what they were all like listening to or what background, but yeah, it turned out that we actually have very similar interests.
0: So was this your first band, your first attempt at writing your own songs and making your own music or were you playing in bands before this or doing your own solo material or things like that?
1: It no, was actually pretty much my first time playing wow. it. Yeah. And before I was like writing like 30 kids' songs for adults. Like, nice. Not really the same kind of style that we're doing now, but it was still always for fun. And then, uh, and then we, we, I don't know, we just started it. And a few months later, I was standing on a stage first time. And, and then I really loved it. And yeah, it's just. What happens out of it?
0: Well, <laughs> yeah, it's so great because it's such a great band with such a great sound, so it's cool that you're able to find the type of music that you wanted to make with this project so quickly. I know Toby and Jan they weren't originally a part of the project when you first started, right, and it seems like from what I read that their addition kind of helped round out the band's sound and take it in a a new direction. What was the impact of adding them to the lineup and how did they kind of shape the direction of the band's sound and dynamic?
1: Well, first we had um, two other guys playing with us and it already felt like similar as the way we play right now but we just felt like that we want more than just playing like once a month maybe and we had like different goals so we started uh with jan and uh, toby together and jan brings so much good energy and he has so such a positive way of thinking and he's like full of energy to to yeah when he starts a project and same with toby it's like great ideas on the guitar and it's like super nice when you're recording with him. Like when he does his solos, every time it's sounding a little bit different and in the end he just brings it on spot. And and that's just really nice also to play with them on stage. It's like really good energy with them.
0: Yeah, it sounds like seeing Annie Taylor live is a fun experience. Tell me about the name of the band. Annie Taylor was a woman who would do these stunts in a barrel where she would be pushed over the (laughs) Niagara Falls here in New York State as a means to, I guess, kind of make money or whatever in the early 1900s. What was the significance of the the name as far as calling yourselves Annie Taylor? Did you just think it's like a cool name? Because it is a pretty cool sounding name. Was there anything beyond that?
1: Well, I think it was a combination of sounding well and also of her background story, which I think is very powerful as well. I mean, she, she did this whole stunt in 1901 or 1903, I yeah. always forget it. And I mean, imagine a, a woman jumping over a waterfall just like that. She must be crazy, right? So I think it's really... Really cool to do just whatever you want to do, even if people are laughing at you or or pointing at you with their fingers and you just do it because you think whatever.
0: So I was reading, she was like an older woman too. She's in her 60s. It's not like she was some young woman taking a risk or something like
1: that. It's actually really funny because she wanted to get like rich and famous out of this. She seemed to be really poor and she ended up on freak shows and... Sometimes I feel like that's what's happening with us (laughs) us too. you know, um, no, no. But yeah, I think it's just very uh, empowered woman in this time. And I think that's also a nice, nice, um, nice story behind it to, to show the world that this is possible if you just do whatever you want to do.
0: Yeah, totally. It's a cool name. It's a cool background story as well. Tell me, before we get into the music on Sweet Mortality and your two most recent singles, what's the music scene like in Zurich? Would you say you're part of a scene where there are bands experimenting within the same genre or sound that Annie Taylor has? What's the music scene like for people here in the States listening that aren't super familiar with it
1: well i think even though zürich is really small we have a lot of bands and a lot of music going on and there's quite a big diversity but i think uh, that i mean there is a lot of rock but not as much maybe as in new york or somewhere else in the states it's more i think um yeah it's more hip-hop that's going on but The bands that are actually playing with with guitars and like or in the rock genre, they're really supporting each other and like a a big family sometimes, and that's kind of cool.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Another question, you know, I, I obviously love the band sound. I can hear a lot of American influence on it, as far as surf and grunge and even psych garage rock, but. I always like asking this question of bands that I interview from abroad in case people from the United States may not be as familiar with some of your influences from your home country. Were there any bands that you listened to growing up that influenced your sound that maybe people here wouldn't be as familiar with?
1: Well, I have to say, when we grew up, that was more like... um like this kind of music that we wouldn't really listen to (laughs) yeah with german and i don't know like a little bit of cock rock maybe yeah which is i think it's nice but it's maybe not what we are looking out for so i think actually we're all really like states oriented or okay oriented and um yeah i think that's the main influence that we have
0: Cool. So, who were some of the early bands that you were really attracted to that you would say helped shape the sound of this band, either from the UK or from <clears throat> the the United States?
1: Well, of course, I have to say Nirvana, as everybody yes. <laughs> would make something in a in direction of brunch. But, I mean, we all come from very different backgrounds. And um, for me, also Fleetwood Mac was a big influence. And for Toby, the guitarist, MC5 and... Uh the bass player actually is a really big fan of ABBA, the Swedish band. And yeah, there's there's a big mix of uh, yeah, different bands that influenced us in the end.
0: Cool, very cool. So for Sweet Mortality record, it's out now. Everyone it dropped in the fall via Taxi Gauche Records. You did a lot of things differently. You went to... A real studio to record, Dala Studios, and you worked with David Langhard. Was your first like real experience recording in a studio? What was that like, and how did you connect with him to record at his studio?
1: Well, it was really nice to finally have like somebody who's putting like all his attention to the sound and to the band and to the song itself. Because before we were working with students and there was always something going on or a cable was missing or or we already had a break again before we even started. And, and now it was like more focused and still fun. And we met him in summer where we recorded 17 days. Wow. Knew instantly what we wanted. So it was really nice. Sometimes I felt even like he could read my mind and... That's always like, that's not really happening with every person, right? So it really clicked instantly, which was really nice. Yeah, we, we actually recorded 17 days in one afternoon because we wanted to meet David from the Dollar studio to see how he's working, what's how, how, he's, how he's interacting with the band, if we vibe on the same level. And after that, we returned, I think, like three months later for the rest of the
0: record yep so you did it pretty quickly then it was quick shorter sessions 17 days
1: was more like 17 minutes
0: instead of that's great yeah had that compared to your previous recording experiences as far as the the time spent in the studio um was this new aside from the fact that you're working with a producer that was really focused on everything going on was this something that you had typically done before recording other music? Or in the past, was it more spread out in bits and pieces?
1: Well, we recorded all the tracks simultaneously. Yeah. Just added layers to it. And I remember like one time we, we knew that ah, something is missing with the snare or something is missing within the drums. And I remember that David, he, he, he um, left the room. He picked up a meta- metallic chair, and we were all thinking, "Okay, what's the guy doing?" Then he went back to the recording studio and started um, to hammer on the chair with the, with the actual hammer.
2: Oh, wow! We we're
1: all looking at each other, like, "Okay, what's the guy doing?" And, and uh, Michael, the bass player, already knew, and we thought, "Okay, just let him do. He knows what he's doing." We're like, "Okay." <laughs> And so like 10 minutes later, he made out of this um, metallic chair the perfect snare. <laughs> 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 and, like, situations like this just happened like again and again when he just stood up, walked out the room, grabbed something and we all were thinking like, what, what is the guy doing really? And that turned like a really interesting new side to every song, you know?
0: Yeah, that's super cool. So the original tracking, though, because something that I think sounds really great about the record is it's kind of raw, natural sound as well. Did you do the initial tracking live in the same room, the band?
1: Yeah, we played everything um, like without the ghost track, just like that. And um, he also has a lot of analog um, recording tools and like he's the guy for analog stuff.
0: So was that, imp- was that like a conscious decision, like we want to play, track the record in the same room live to kind of capture that sound? Was that something that the band from the outset was like, this is what we do and what we need to do?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, we we wanted the record to feel, uh, to sound very like original, like the way it would also sound live, live more or yes. like, like not with like 10 guitar layers that we could never play live. Like it had to be the way that we could also present it on stage. So yeah, that's how we tried to do it. And that's how it turned out that way.
0: Cool. Yeah. And it definitely sounds like it captures that live feel of seeing Annie Taylor live. I read that. In an interview you did a couple of years ago, and it really stood out to me that you had spent time writing music in an air raid shelter a few years ago. And I was just curious if any of the songs on Sweet Mortality came out of that writing session and what, what's your writing, uh, approach typically like? Do, do you and the other members like to get away and isolate to write or is it kind of different now?
1: Well, this air shelter... Oh, how is the name of it? Air
0: raid a- shelter?
1: Air shelter, yeah. <laughs> it's actually a rehearsal room. And it's like really smelly. <laughs> yeah. This is where we practice together. And yeah. I think like all of the songs we finished in this room, but usually the process is more like I'm, I'm writing at home with yeah. my guitar yeah. whenever I feel like now there's an idea coming up or now I feel like playing a bit. And so for me, it always feels like there's like a a skeleton that I do at home already with lyrics and, and uh, melodies. And then when we're in the room, everybody's like adding a layer, like muscles or flesh, finishing the whole part like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it sounds pretty organic because I know talk to bands and a lot, some of them, need to go on these like writing retreats where they completely separate and write like an entire record other people it sounds like you're more inspired on a day-to-day basis to write music based on you know sitting down and writing To,
1: to do that one time to like go to a house in the mountains somewhere for like 10 days and just drink coffee and beer and write songs that would be really nice actually but So far, it didn't happen. Maybe for the next
0: record. Yeah, maybe for the next record. And then I wonder what that record would sound like, you know, if it would sound totally different.
1: Uh, Probably it would, yeah.
0: So, A Thousand Times is probably my favorite song on the record. Tell us a little bit about that one. It's right in the middle of the record. It's a great like midpoint, and it's just a really gorgeous song.
1: Thanks a lot. Uh, well it's i think it's one of the more mel- melancholic songs that we have on the record cuz it feels like it's about like things that are repeating or maybe also like part of depressions that are like showing up and and or but for me it was like uh, a song about the friend who was in this state and yeah it was for me sometimes difficult to to a- approach this friend and in the end it's yeah that's how it turned out. I think it's just like sometimes a, a page in a diary that you would <laughs> write down like that.
0: I I I really love your. You said it's more melancholic, but I, I really feel like your voice really stands out on this track too. What's how'd you develop your singing voice? Since you had mentioned you had only really. This is your first band. This is kind of the first time you started writing songs and stuff like that. Did it take you time to figure out how you wanted to sing and how you wanted to approach your, your vocals, or is it something that has kind of happened naturally for you and you found it pretty quickly and then just stuck with it?
1: Well, I have to say, I think it also had a lot to do with the way we were recording with David together. Because before it was like, okay, now sing. And then I was singing and, oh, it's good. It's good like that. Let's do the next thing. And I knew, no, I could do it different or yeah. other layers, but there was not really a, like a chance to do it, I would say, or like the, the time to do it. And now since we had like all the time in the world that we wanted to have, it was pretty easy to, to find stuff just kind of way, how I wanted this voice to sound or how I wanted to sing it, or I could do it like a hundred times, a thousand times again, if I wanted to. So I think that that was a big influence by Dolby too, that we had the chance to do it like that.
0: What kind of guidance did he give you then in the recording sessions, as far as singing or how to approach singing? Uh, maybe this song in particular at other times on the record too.
1: Well, he didn't really give any advice. He, he just gave me enough time, you know? I or, you, enough, yeah. and He would let me, if I told him, man, this was not the way uh, it should be, he was like, oh, do it again. And we had, like, really a lot of time to just redo things if we felt like it was not on point. And actually, I think with this song... I had to do it again a few months later because I had this huge allergy of his cat that was living in the studio. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was so blocked all the time. Yeah. It was At one point we realized, man, it's not. We have to stop right now. So I returned a bunch of months later and did it again. <laughs> I think it's. Oh wow, it,
0: that's so funny. So did you do that at home then, or did you come back to the studio?
1: No, I came more prepared, taking some pills and then. Straight
0: through it. (laughs) studio cats. Damn. They're cute, but deadly as far as allergies and stuff. Because it's so tempting to want to pet the cat.
1: And I didn't even know that I'm allergic to them. And I was like, oh, come
0: here. (laughs) They were so cute. Another cool thing about the record is I feel like the last few tracks, the last track, The Fool, which is part of your new double single, The Fool and Unspoken, kind of signals a a new direction for the band or a new sound, at least as far as what you're experimenting with. The guitars are, I think, bigger and more expansive. There's kind of like a denser guitar sound on the last uh, few tracks. Um, Tell us a little bit about that. Um, What made you want to explore those new type of sounds, sonically?
1: Well, I think we actually still have yeah, a bunch of songs that are going this direction for the future and they just didn't fit anymore on the record and I think it's I don't know, it's something that's in my head always that I have to think, okay, it has to be fast, it has to be powerful, it has to be like badass, and then there are these other songs coming out which are some more, like, as you said, bands or or more round or more explore- yeah, exploring. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's, it's funny because in the end of the record, when we kind of finished all the songs I just shared, what I just shared with you, t- with the guys, they were like, what, no way, why wouldn't you say that? Uh, we didn't know that, oh, we should have taken more of these songs. And now, yeah, we, we were just thinking, okay, maybe there's a bit more space for the next time and for this kind of music. And who knows, yeah.
0: Yeah, so for The Fool is the last track on the record. Unspoken is the single that didn't appear on the record. So was that song recorded as part of the Sweet Mortality sessions and you just decided, it, you know, it doesn't totally fit on the record and we'll release it afterwards?
1: No, we actually recorded it in, I think, in the beginning of this year when we just realized maybe it would be really nice to have some songs, um, that we can release now since nothing is happening. And for us, it felt also really good being back in the studio and also to, to explore this other side of Annie Taylor.
0: Yeah. What, what prompted it? Would you say, is this more of a, something that results from having the band together, you know? jamming more? Because it is a sound that probably benefits from having the other guitar player in the room to help you kind of flesh out the sound. Are these the type of songs that you're writing while rehearsing in a group?
1: No, actually, this is Unspoken is one of the oldest songs that I ever wrote. But I think it just turned out this way, because now we really know how... To interact with each other even like not only musically also if we're talking to each other expressing what we expect out of a song or sharing ideas so it can build up together somehow and um, yeah I think it has more to do with, with this kind of background that a band also needs to have to be working on stuff that you can actually talk to each other in a respectful way and bringing in your ideas
0: yeah it sounds like Now the band has been together for probably about three or four years now, it seems. So you're kind of reaching that point where you all really know each other well and you're able to communicate musically um, really well that's interesting that unspoken was one of the oldest songs you ever wrote and you're revisiting it now to release what what made you want to revisit that song to to finish it off and and put it out into the world
1: i don't know i just thought it's like such a personal song i I didn't really wanted to share it in the beginning yeah and i thought man i also like it and uh, after showing it to the guys, and they were like, "Yeah, let's do it." So at this moment, it was clear for me that it's all right just to to go and record it without thinking too much if it would be too melancholic or or not enough rock and roll or whatever. Just yeah.
0: So that's interesting. So you're kind of feeling. More confident about your songwriting now that maybe older stuff you didn't want to share or release. You're like, hey, let's let's do it. And let's not be concerned about fitting a certain sound necessarily.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think, I don't know why, but sometimes I always feel like, okay... We are like called the rock and roll band. So we have to do rock and roll now. And it's not all right if we do anything else. But it it took me a while to realize that there's like such so much space for different sounds. And it's still okay because it's still the band who does it. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. Just I don't know. Maybe that's the difference between starting a band just like a rookie and making music since now a bunch of years.
0: Seasoned veteran now for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me about the fool because I know you've mentioned that the fool, in addition to unspoken, is a, is a really personal track. Uh, tell us about that song, uh, what it means to you, and just what's it, what's it about.
1: Well, the fool is also kind of a love song, and I have to admit, almost every song on the record is a love song. And um, this one is a little bit like breaking free of things, but still you feel like you're so hooked and you have no chance to get away from somebody or, yeah, you just feel captured kind of by someone.
0: Yeah, and it it's a really cool video that you just released for it too. Tell me about the concept behind that video how, and how it came together.
1: Yeah, we just thought that we really want to do something that has to do with karaoke and they have like this little <laughs> karaoke line, so we're like, yeah. yeah, that's what we want. And then the team of um, Das Playground, that's the, the guys who did it. They just uh, wanted to make like a really weird looking random video. And I think the background of this is that it's just like a really weird situation that we're in right now. And like, yeah, and it's just like everybody can interpret the video the way that they want.
0: And what about Unspoken? Because you said it is a really personal song as well.
1: Well it's also a love song, of course. I, th- I think it's also like a like more like a heartbroken song this moment when you uh, I mean I remember that I was it was like cutting off somebody this yeah. kind of uh, yeah moments are happening as well, right So it was more like this and just like accepting and being like yeah it's things are shit, but it has to be like that I guess
0: <laughs> yeah totally.
1: yeah and then it was like more like a diary song again so oh, from the diaries
0: so i know you you mentioned you played two shows in the fall in zurich but for whenever shows are back on a more consistent basis wh- what songs are you most excited to to play live from uh the new record well
1: i'm very excited to play she loves you no more um, we actually played the song a bunch of times already live, and it was always like really cool to finish a show with this song because it's like very fast and everybody can go crazy. And another one that I'm li- really looking forward to is actually The Fool because I think that's one of the most challenging ones for us because it's like um, very sensual. And um, we played it also at the record show, and it gives me a little bit more. Freedom because I'm not on the guitar all the time. So I can walk around and interact a bit more with the With the audience, which is pretty nice.
0: Yeah, that's great And so as we had talked about the fool unspoken in the last few tracks on sweet mortality kind of represent this new Direction for the band sound was Have you been writing new songs this year? And what do you see? Coming next for the band, sound-wise, is it? Are they songs that are going to sound more like "The Fool" and "Unspoken"?
1: Well, I think it's going to be a mix again. The record, the next record, is definitely going to be a mix because we started to write a bunch of new songs, and there are some really strong ones, like also energetic ones, and the other ones that are kind of melodic, or yeah, or more maybe fuzzy. So I think there's going to be at Another version of sweet mortality, maybe, <laughs> just like in a, in another, in another dimension, maybe even similar, but like with new songs and like, yeah, we're working on it already.
0: Cool. Sure. Are you? You have any plans to go to the studio this year?
1: Mm, we 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 didn't make any appointment yet, but I can imagine that maybe in the end of the year. That we would go like a bunch of days and record some some songs.
0: That's great. Yeah, so it's been an interesting situation for a lot of bands releasing new music because a lot of times the songs that they're putting out now, and it seems like you're in a similar situation or, you know, a year, two years old. They were written a couple of years ago. When you listen to this record now what wh- what comes to mind what do you, What do you think of when you hear these songs?
1: Well, I still like them, but there are also some songs where I think like, oh, we could have changed like this a little bit yeah. or but in the end you would you could say that with every th- song I think it's just an artist's um point of view
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. You know, I was reading, it seems like over the last few years, you did get to tour a bunch and play with some really cool bands as well. I saw, uh, you know, and I I really thought the band Sound was reminded me of L.A. Witch, and I didn't know that you had played with them before, so that was cool. Who are some of um, your favorite bands that you've gotten to play with uh, over the last few years?
1: Um, Definitely L.A. Witch, because the girls were super cool. Also, as humans, really, really like them. Um, and also, we played with Sugar Candy Mountain. That
0: band's awesome. Wow, yeah. It's a
1: big deal for me because I, I was listening to them since before I started the band. And then it felt so great to be playing with them on, on the same stage or after them.
0: That's cool because I feel like the 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 last few songs you've put out kind of are exploring that kind of bigger psychedelic sound that they explore in their music. So that's cool to see that parallel there.
1: Also, we played with a New York band together with um, Sunflower Bean.
0: Oh, they're great. Yeah, they're wonderful. Julia is really cool and super talented.
1: Yeah, and it was really nice to play with them as well. Yeah, it was like so cool you know if you're like dreaming of bands that you were listening to always when you didn't even know that you might gonna start a band one day and then like two years later you're you're eating dinner with them and, and playing shows and it's like such a like it gives you so much like energy to keep continuing what you're doing because there are kind of like role models and you can see okay it's it's possible to do things like that you know and for me it yeah. was really
0: cool <clears throat> It's, it's interesting because I know people look at places like New York, Los Angeles, London as, you know, these real like music meccas where there's lots of great music and the music scenes are, are really thriving. Did they, uh, w- what did they share with you those times you got to interact with those bands about what it's like making music there? Or did they have any advice or stories for you? Oh, uh,
1: well, I don't really remember too much but with um, Sugar Candy Mountain, we we actually talked a lot about teaching and stuff like that because I'm also teaching, oh, on, wow. yeah, to to get some extra money. And I think she was doing the same, so it was really cool for me to hear like, okay, there's this <laughs> this way of living also for somebody else. And and with LA which we got actually like we kind of good friends in the end, and we also met them several times now already in the States again. And it was really cool because you have such a different background and, and you meet each other and it's just like you could have grown up together, you know? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. it's always cool to see that and see how people in a different part of the world, you know, have listened to the same music and enjoyed the same things and have similar backgrounds. So that's cool. You're able to make that connection. Yeah. So what what do you hope... Is next for the band, uh, you know, I'd love to for you to come to the States in 2022. Is that something that you'd you'd like to do, come play in New York and tour uh, the United States?
1: Well, it would be definitely a big dream coming true. And um, since we had to cancel everything last year, I think we are even more eager to finally go to the States and play. And also our label, Toxicosh Records, has a bunch of... Um, New York bands on his yeah. label, so maybe it would be cool to yeah, to meet to meet these guys and girls in person and play a show together.
0: Yeah, you would definitely be very well received in the States, and I'm looking forward to the day when that happens. All right. Now we're gonna play a couple of songs by Annie Taylor. We're gonna play two tracks from their record, Sweet Mortality. We're gonna hear telephone and a thousand times, and then we'll play their new single, Unspoken. Enjoy these tunes.
2: to everyone who told me it's gonna be fine or maybe say something like that it feels like a lie it feels like a lie cause you
0: We just heard three songs by Annie Taylor. The first two are from their debut LP, Sweet Mortality, which was released in the fall. We heard Telephone and A Thousand Times. And then we heard their latest single, Unspoken. And of course, you can listen to these tracks on your streaming platform of choice or You can get a copy of Sweet Mortality via the Taxi Gauche Records website or at annietaylor.bandcamp.com. All right. And now we're going to play some records that Ginny picked, starting with Wolf Alice. We're going to hear Your Love's Whore off of their album, My Love Is Cool.
1: Yeah, I'm really in love with this band. I think uh, the band is also a reason why I really wanted to have a band as well, so I can be one day their support. (laughs) And I remember that they were playing on a festival in Zurich, and I was standing, I think, like in second row, looking at them, being totally fascinated by their music. I'm like, okay, I have to start a band so I can be their support one day.
0: Yeah, and they have a new record coming out soon. So super excited to hear that. Me too. Next up, Blue Dot by Black Tropics, off of their self-titled 2019 debut. These are your. Are, they, are you friends with this band? They're from your. They're from Switzerland, so that's. Well, cool. they're
1: actually from the French part of Switzerland, which is. Remember, we have like uh, Italian, German, yes. French part, and and German part, of course, and it's really weird because French. Part bands are not interacting too much with German part bands. So is it with uh, Italian part bands? So, but they're still all in Switzerland, right? So we actually met them once when we were playing a show with them together, and they're really cool people and they're like really great sound on stage. Yeah.
0: Nice. So, are th- what part of Switzerland are they from? Is it far from Zurich or?
1: it's like two hours or maximum three hours so it would actually be so easy for everybody to stay in contact but it's just like this we call it it's between it, it's not really existing but it's like these are the french people uh, part people and these are the german part people but yeah like with bands it doesn't really exist and this part but
0: <laughs> yeah so do you like, if, if you were going to go on tour, would you play, do you play like in their city where, the, where they're from? Like if you're doing a little Swiss run?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think they're from Lausanne, but I'm not too sure about that. Where we also played. And yeah. It's also a cool scene there.
0: Yeah, oh, that sounds awesome. Cool to learn about the Swiss music scene.
1: Yeah, you should come.
0: I would love to. That'd be amazing. <laughs> I'd love to. I'd love to come to Switzerland Definitely someday
3: soon Nice I'm swimming In the atmosphere Where home from here
0: Where he's home Next Um Four Teeth by True Widow off of their 2013 album, Circumambulation.
1: Um, Jan picked this song and I think he picked it um, because we we did like once this, it's called like an advent calendar. It's like in December 1st to December 24th, you open a door in Europe. Like,
0: I don't know. Do do you guys do that? Advent calendar? Yeah, yeah, I've had those. Yeah, the for the there's like chocolate in it in the advent calendar, right? You like open the window, yeah. So you did like a band thing. That's really cool.
1: Yeah, and we do like this playlist, and then he picked this song for day number three or something. So I think it's it's one that he really likes, and I actually really love it too. It has such a good, like impressive, deep sound, and it's really cool.
0: Yeah. Next after Forever by Black Sabbath off of their 1971 album Master of Reality, the kind of heavier sound creeps in a little bit on your music. Uh, a little bit I'd say. Not not like a ton. Cause I feel like it's still like light and you know, n- not like super metal like or that you would think of like Black Sabbath, or like hard rock.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, all the guys are really big Black Sabbath fans And um, I think The song had to be on the playlist
0: Are you a, you a big Black Sabbath fan?
1: No, the, the guys are Yeah, But I yeah. listen to it time to time Because I also like it But I think I'm more Like 90s oriented yeah, Or maybe totally. female front singer oriented
0: Yeah, it's stuff that's more melodic I'd say You could hear that more in your in your sound I think
1: Yeah This
3: crisis is that you
0: Okay, Rama, Lama, Fafa by the MC5 off of their classic 1969 album, Kick Out the Jams.
1: Yeah, as I told you, our guitarist, uh, Toby's such a huge fan of MC5. And I think he has like... But uh, he has not he has nothing like Spotify or iTunes, but he has like old uh, compact discs yeah, <laughs> which yeah. he's listening to in his car. He has like this old Volvo and uh, usually there is m c five playing
0: so we we're c five Black Sabbath were these bands that you started listening to because of the other members of your band kind of saying, hey, check this out, type of thing?
1: Yeah, I would say so, definitely. And I didn't really know, I mean, I have heard of Black Sabbath, of course, but I haven't heard of MC5 back then, and it actually brought me into this kind of music. It's true. <laughs>
0: Bring It On Down by Oasis off of their classic album, Definitely, Maybe.
1: Well, I just realized, I think a year ago, that I only know two Oasis songs, Wonderwall, and I don't even remember what the other one was. And um, a friend told me, man, you should really listen to Oasis, you would love them. And I started listening to them and actually really loved them. (laughs) But I had a really long time of ignoring them somehow and, yeah,
3: now
0: I'm a really big All right. And then last, I'm a Man Too by Death Valley Girls off of their 2016 album, Glow in the Dark. Did you get to play with this band too? Because I've seen them live, and they're awesome band to play. I see them live. We
1: were supposed to play with them, but back then our guitar player had something in his throat, and he had to go to the hospital. Oh no! To- wow. I know, and I was so sad that we couldn't play with them. But we went to the show, and it was like a really special evening because they were so welcoming and they tra- treated us so like friends, and it was really cool. You know, meeting them in, in this little, was like, it was almost a shelter as well. <laughs> it was like this underground uh, club and it was like, I don't know, 32 degrees outside, like really warm and, and still sunny at 10 in the evening and they played the show and there were only a bunch of people there, but they played like the show of their lives and it was it was so
0: cool. So this was in Zurich or?
1: Um, it was in Olten, it's like 30 minutes from Zurich, yeah. They that's, were touring in Europe, yeah.
0: That's cool. It seems like you get tapped to be the support act for a lot of great bands in, in Zurich. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, you know, we have like so many bands coming through Zurich because Zurich is like one of the the bigger cities yeah. and it has venues and actually a really good music scene. So we're super lucky to be to be picked as a support sometimes, yeah.
0: Yeah, what do you like about this song in particular, I'm a Man too. What stands out? To you when you listen to it.
1: Well, I think it has a really good hook. Yeah. <laughs> and also yeah. the the refrain of course, with and the title, I'm a man too. I really like about it that it's so empowering, women empowering as well, and like showing like just like the same as Annie Taylor did when she was jumping off the yeah. water. Just just do what you want. If you're a girl or a boy, it doesn't matter, just do whatever you want.
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> How important is that to incorporate into your your music? Because you've mentioned that a couple of times through the the band's name. Tell me a little bit about what that means to you to kind of incorporate that into Annie Taylor's music.
1: I I think for me, it's very important because I don't know how it is in the States, but here you still hear like a lot of times like, how is it to be playing in a rock band as a woman or to be on stage as a woman and like all these questions about gender and and um, yeah being a female in the music of world especially in the music of rock world um it's like still such a huge point to talk about and I just feel like no I mean everybody who wants can make music or be on a stage and I think it's really important to to show that also to a younger generation.
0: right, Ginny. It was so awesome having you on the Look at My Records podcast today, everyone. Annie Taylor's debut album, Sweet Mortality, is out now. You can get it on vinyl via annietaylor.bandcamp.com. They also have a new double single out, which you can get. annietaylor.bandcamp.com. Digital download. The Fool between unspoken jenny so great to have you on the show today thank you so much for being here um what's what's next for for the band this this year uh,
1: well we still have our fingers crossed to the maximum and hope for some festivals this summer um actually we have a little tour plans and i hope it's gonna happen and yeah let's see if we we have probably enough time to go back to recording studio so let's see if that can be done as well
0: cool super exciting thank you so much i'm looking forward to seeing the band play here in the states someday soon
1: let's do this cool all
0: right so let's play one more song we're gonna hear the fool to send everyone off